Blog Talk Radio. night at the Speakeasy Cafe. We would like to invite you to take the stage for the Sound of Ink Open Mic Poetry Night. Now, let's get started. I want your ink in our ears. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Speakeasy Cafe Open Mic Poetry Show, The Sound of Ink. As you can tell, I am still talking quite funny after my surgery. They told me it would take two or three months. I was sure it was only going to take a week. By the way, I do want to dispel any rumors I've had when I was saying that I was like having to try to learn to form my words all over again. Um, I had a couple of you email me and ask me if I had a stroke. No, I did not have a stroke. I had wisdom teeth, some wisdom teeth removed that were growing into the nerves in my jaw and that it had caused there's a partial paralysis weird stuff going on anyway long story short i'm getting through it and it would be easy just to play a bunch of pre-recorded shows while we did this but it could take a while i always tell you we don't always do this pretty but we always do it just hanging out and having fun and playing with our words. We will be having Christopher Ryan joining us to co-host with me tonight again. Really appreciate him agreeing to be here with me because there's no way that I could do the whole show alone this week or last week or probably even next week. So bear with me while I am talking funny. I'm gonna try to get through this the best I can. The phone number to call if you would like to call in is 646-595-3965. If you are interested in putting together a writer's workshop with us, you can shoot me a message. Probably the easiest way would be on uh, Facebook. If I'm not on your contacts list, you can find me under Nyla, N-Y-L-A dot Alicia, A-L-I-S-I-A. Let me know what you want to put together. Your workshops can be anywhere from 30 minutes to three hours long, depending on how much time you need. You can pre-record these on your computer and send them to me. Or we can do a conference type call and I can do a short interview with you and talk about what you're going to be doing and and help you with it and then I can just shut up and you can do your workshop. We can do a combination of both. So we could play a pre-recorded part first and then come on live and take callers if you would like to do it that way. Again, let me know what you'd like to put together. We'll get that done. It'll be awesome, fun. Next, I wanna make sure that I thank our sponsors. Make sure if you guys can't hear me, some first quiet, I'm sure someone will let me know. And make sure that we're, uh, we're broadcasting. Looks like everything is okay. All right, so 
I want to thank our sponsors, the people who stepped up to the plate and helped me, uh, us, cover the 2020 broadcasting license for this year. This is our going coming up to our 14th year. So we are going to have our 14th year anniversary at the end of October, beginning of November. We've been here 14 years on the air doing this together. It's absolutely unbelievable to me. I am so proud to be a part of this community that you guys have built. Can't even, even begin to tell you how amazing I think you all are. All right. So those of you who helped cover the 2020 broadcasting license for 2020, I just said that, is Debbie Kelly. Alec, Eric, sorry, Alec. Alec, I just renamed you. Eric Sheldman, Maddie Collickson, Melvin Douglas Johnson, Rick Clark, Raymond Bentley, Gary and Noreen Snyder, Rachel Ward Cryer, James, aka One Sapien, Richard Ward, and Colm Kendi Hume. Thank all of you guys for uh, helping us cover that on behalf of myself and all of the poets here. Next thing I'm going to do is give you your homework. So get out your journals, your notebooks, pencils, pens, whatever it is that you use, and we will get started here. Time for inspiration from the inkwell. The first thing I'm going to do is give you your, your journal assignment, your first one. And remember, journal assignments, I want those written in a spiral notebook in a a uh, journal and paper pencil. I want the tangible connection between your hand, the pen, and the paper. I don't want you writing, typing on something backlit, not your phone, not your iPads, not your computer, whatever. I really want that intimate time with your brain. You write differently when you write longhand, when you're writing by hand, when you have a pen. Your brain works differently. Your hand cannot just trust me, just just do as I say and then do as I tell you. You'll be fine. It'll be okay. Write and carry on. But yeah, you do. You think differently. You write differently when you write by hand. So please, at least for your journal assignments, handwrite these. The first thing we're going to be doing is your journal assignment number one is your poetic analysis of free write conversation. We're using the first lines from a famous classic poem as a catalyst for your poetic analysis, free writing conversation. So pens ready? Poem is Sea Fever by John Maysfield. I would like you to Google the poem and read it. Read it several times and then venture beyond just reading it. Step inside it. Walk with a poet. Uh, see the words play out before you as you're reading. Search for the message inside the words. Don't stop till you feel you believe you understand the taste and the message between the lines in the mystery of their words. Or indeed, is there one? After you're done and you're ready to write, open your journal and write the first line of the poem at the top of your journal page. This week's poem is Sea Fever, or the first line from this week's poem, sorry, a uh, sea fever by Mr. Mans Maysfield is, I must go down to the seas again, to the lonely sea and the sky. 
once you have started writing the opening line, I want you to just keep writing from there, whatever comes to mind. This is a free writing, a free write exploring your thoughts about the poem. Analyze what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it, what made, made you think of. What do you think the poet was trying to tell you? What confused you about the poem? What did you think about the poem's form, the rhyme scheme or lack thereof, the language used? How would you change it to fit modern times, your experiences? If you could sit over coffee and talk about what they wrote. Just really unravel the reasons the poem has made you feel the way it did. Write about your reactions to it. Ask yourself, always ask why. Ask yourself why, and then search for the answers. Write for at least 10 minutes anything that comes to mind as you explore and analyze and discuss the poem with yourself, your invisible muse friend, or perhaps the poet themselves. Again, the poem is Sea Fever by John Maysfield. The first line you'll be starting with is, I must go down to the seas again, to the lonely sea and sky. And there you have it. Now, that was your journal assignment number one, but we are only doing one right now. I don't have your second one for you. So we're going to move right on to your writing exercises. Writing, your journal assignments are kind of like intimate one-on-one -on -one time with your brain. You're sitting there in your yoga pants all zenned out, right? Writing exercises are different. They're meant to make you sweat, push you out of your comfort zones, Write about things in a way you normally wouldn't write about them. Write about things you wouldn't normally write about. Think about them in a way that is different than your normal train of thought. With that said, the first one that we're going to do is we've been doing writing to a scenario. And with your exercises, I've been pushing you away from writing poetry. And instead, we're doing something a little bit different. So with this, writing to a scenario, what I'm having you do is climb out of your brain. And instead, I would like you to write a short story, a narrative probe, something along those lines. Don't overthink it. Just spit it out. Start and stop. Stop and start again as you go. Scratch things out. Never erase them. And when you're done, you can sort it all out. The scenario I want you to write about this week I think is really, really fun because this is something I'm going to be doing or I am doing. I've got a little box with stuff in it. And I, so I think, I think that, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. What I want you to do is I want you to write a story about a character and the character can be you or someone you know or someone totally made up. But I want you to write a story about a character building a time capsule. Why are they building it? What's in it? Where do they bury it? Um, is it ever found? What happens when it's found? I really want you to think this one through. I think that sometimes the exploratory path you take before you write is way more important than what you write. And we'll talk about that a little bit later when I talk about knee-jerk reactions, and we'll get to that. But Kind of keep that in the back of your mind. You may want to, on this one, you may want to even uh, write several stories. Maybe, you know, pick different people. Just really have fun with this one, you guys. Um, 
In fact, you know, it's thinking about this as I was putting this together. What a fun theme for a poetry book or a book of prose or short stories this would make. A book of writings about time capsules being found from famous people. Like, what if Jack the Ripper left a time capsule and it was found? What would we learn in it? What would he want us to, what would, what would he have put in it as a message to us? What would we discover? Jack Ripper left a time capsule. Choose. That's pretty much a knee-jerk reaction, which I said we'll talk about later. Some more would be, what if a caveman left a time capsule or Marilyn Monroe? Think about that, all the conspiracy there. Or what if Vincent, Vincent Van Gogh or the man behind the Iron Mask? What if they left a time capsule? What if we found a time capsule left by Agent 355? Or the man from Torrid. Or Sybil uh, Ludwington. Or Ching Shi. If you don't know who some of these are, when the show's over, you can come back to the archives and listen to these and write them down. I could easily tell you who they are, but instead I want you to Google them. Because it would be easy to say, oh, a time capsule. I'm going to write one about Jack the Ripper. But that's an easy one. I bet you if you ask 10 people, let's say 100, if you ask 100 people, at least 10 of them would choose Jack the Ripper. Knee-jerk reaction. Big profile. But there's so much more out there. Ching Shi. Who was that? Do you have any idea? You should. Sybil Ludington. Agent three three or three five five. I keep thinking about <laughs> I keep thinking about Shelley when I say agent. Okay, but really think about this and imagine how much fun that would be. Seriously, writing a book full of stories or poems about all these time capsules left by these strange and obscure and amazing people. All right. So again, write a story about someone building a time capsule. Exercise number two. Like I said earlier. This is to teach you what you do with a prompt before you write is more important than what you write. Because we all do have those knee-jerk reactions. If I tell you to write about October, first thing that comes to mind, pumpkins, autumn leaves. It's easy. But what else? What else could you write about if you go past the predictable? I want you to write the prompt I give you at the top of the page. Glass. Ugh, I can't talk. I'm so sorry, you guys. I'm, I'm glad you love me at some level. <laughs> Under glass. Write the prompt at the top of the page and then start a list of all the different thoughts and ideas and directions you could take the prompt. Think of all the ways you could use it as a metaphor or things you could stand in for or the different things that become the face of or the voice of or the shadow of. All the different poems you could write, ways you could twist that and turn that and turn it into something else. All the different poems you could write using that prompt. You know, and keep your notebook handy. If you're sitting there and you're thinking about that and two weeks later you think, you know, when, when I write in a journal, I always write from the front to the back, unless it's something I want to reference again. And then I write from the back to the front. 
So if I want to go back and reference the list I'm making, instead of having to go through the entire book and find it, I go to the back of the book and go forward. So just kind of a, a little tip in case you want to try something like that. But, you know, keep your list in the back. If you think of a prompt or a, a something cool two weeks later, go back to that list. Go back to this and write it down. You know, just like you should never have a pencil and eraser, never erase something you write, just cross it out and go forward because you don't know six months later, if you go back and you read that, it's really what you wanted to say. So that's that's my little tidbit of advice. Is, that's why I never write in pencil. I always write in pen. All right. All that said and done. Now we're getting to your poetry prompts. Now that I've totally gotten you away from writing poems, I want you to go back into writing poems. Now, poetry prompts are meant to produce poems. And, you know, what I love about prompts and probably my favorite thing about doing the show all these years is watching what you do with these prompts, both the ones I give you here and the ones I give you on my page. It's like scattering dandelion fluffs to the winds and the seeds are all the same. And I don't control where they fly, land, or what. And it amazes me what comes back, the incredible things they grow into, and all the variety and all the different ideas and the directions you guys take them. It's like a kaleidoscope garden of ideas and inspirations out of, that grow out of this single same seed. It's so cool. So anyway, prompts, like seeds planted. They're meant to grow into poems, and with that said, what you do with them is up to you. The prompts can be either the title to your poem, a line in your poem, or the general concept of the poem. Now, I pulled out some. I've got eight of them because we're not going to be doing two prompts. We're going to be doing just the one. We were, we did have two prompt assignments, homeworks, but I'm only doing one because I'm adding, instead of doing five, we are now doing eight. I'm going to be giving you eight prompts a week to work with. Okay? Be more fun and for you than... Uh, doing two different ones for right now and it's easier for me while I'm on these pain pills <laughs> alright so number your papers one through eight the first one I'm going to give you number one birth predicts number three merging with air Merging with air. Number four, the dead are still walking. The dead are still walking. Number five, a mother who writes poems. I would love to give this one to my son. He, uh, he and a friend came in on the airport one time and I picked him up. And they were going to go watch a Oregon Ducks game. And the way I... One of the things I do to help me with my performance tree is I will record them on a CD and play them in my car, right? And then while I'm driving around, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do it like on a loop. So it just keeps playing over and over and over again. And like when you sing along to a song, instead, I will follow along with the uh, recording, speaking it. That's one of the ways I learn how to do it, learn to memorize it. So not even thinking, I picked my son up um, at the airport. The 
radio wasn't on, so he reaches over and pushes and turns radio on. What just happens, one of them that I was working on was an erotic poem, which I've only got like maybe four. <laughs> you know, so the chance of being that, you know, but he, so he's sitting there with his friend and his friend's going, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and my son is horrified. So I don't, actually, I don't think I would give my son that prompt. But I think it's a good one. I think it's a cool one. A mother who writes poems. Number six, hieroglyphics of water and light. I love this one. I'll tell you a little bit why in a little bit, the reason why in a minute. I told you we weren't going to be doing this pretty, you guys. Just keep bear with me. Okay, hieroglyphics of water and light. Number seven, beneath the shadows. Beneath the shadows. Little these I pulled from a book of poetry by Colette Tennant. Colette's a local poet here that I know who I absolutely love and truly admire. I cannot even tell you how amazing this woman is. She has one of the most distinctive voices in her poetry that I know of, of, of any of the poets that I know of my contemporaries. She has a voice that resonates within me every time I read her work. It's a unique voice. Um, you know, it's like I'm always talking to you guys about each of us trying to achieve that inner voice, our true voice. You know, I can read 20 poems side by side, and I would be able to pick out Colette's. This unique voice, this signature style of writing is why doing these assignments and exercises and workshops are so important. None of us are so talented that we cannot find room to grow and better ourselves as writers. We should never stop pushing ourselves to learn. The book of Colette's that I'm reading right now um, is titled Commotion of Wings. That one in there as a bonus number nine. I'm putting it up there so I don't forget I'm telling you this. Bonus number nine on the prompts, because I think that's very awesome, too. So Commotion of Wings is the name, is the title of the book that I am reading by Colette Tennant. And you should pick up a copy. If, if you pick it up and read it, you'll see what I mean. It is an amazingly inspiring read. You can Google Colette and find her, or you can find her at facebook.com forward slash Colette, C-O-L-E-T-T-E dot Tennant, T-E-N-N-A-N-T. And she's absolutely incredible, you guys. Um, God, I can't even, I don't even know long, how long I have known her. Um, a lot of you know that. Um, I mean, she's just amazingly a poet. She's definitely somebody you should check out. And maybe I can talk her into uh, coming onto the show sometime with me and, and talking about things. I don't know. I'm kind of putting her on the spot now, hinting at that, because I uh, messaged her earlier to find out if it was okay if I used some of the lines from her poems as our prompts this week, and she graciously and uh, wonderfully said yes, and I appreciate that from her. So thank you so much, Colette. You guys, definitely check her out. If I were to do a poster child for being able to develop your own unique and strong and confident voice in poetry, your own signature style, Colette would be on the billboard for that. She is amazing. I kind of sound like a groupie, and I really am. You know, out of out of all the contemporary, my contemporary poets that I know, um, she's probably in the top five of my favorites. And Billy Collins, right up there with Billy Collins for me. 
just an incredible, incredible writer. So check her out. Check out the book she has. I'll put a link to her on my Facebook page here in just a little bit when I'm uh, we get into the show. I'll put her her link on there. I'll put see if I can find her a copy of the book that I'm reading and put the link on there. Maybe I can get her to post it up on my page for me. Um, definitely check her out. Facebook.com forward slash Colette, C-O-L-E-T-T-E, Tenant, T-E-N-N-A-N-T. Love you, girl. Thank you so much for letting me share those tonight. All right. Once again, birth predicts death. Man must turn again. Merge with air. A mother who writes poems. Hieroglyphics of water and light. Beneath shadows. In green exile and commotion of wings. You can write nine different poems to these. You can mix and match the lines and write three poems using four lines if you want. Uh, you know, use line one, four, seven in a poem. You can uh, get real froggy and write poem one poem using all nine lines. When you get these done and you write them, I will give you super kudo speakeasy cookies. And I do have those to put on your page if you bring these back and share them with me. All right. Lastly, remember our ongoing projects for the year. For one year, I want you to write a haiku every single day. And that can start right now today. And I don't care if it takes you 600 days to do it. All right, 365 haiku. Go out every single day. Pay attention to the world around you. Find something worth 17 syllables. Keep your little notebooks handy. If you write it down, it only has 15 syllables. I don't care. Jot it down real quick and then keep running for the bus. You can always go back later and add those extra syllables. At the end of the year, you're going to have 365 haiku. You're going to have a lot of crappy ones, a lot of silly ones, a lot of good ones, but you're going to bet you're going to find at least 30, maybe 60 cool ones, some really good ones. By the end of the year, you will have a haiku book ready to publish. So go out every single day and find something worth 17 syllables. Pay attention to things that make you stall, that catch your breath, that turn your head. Those are the things that inspire you. Those are the things that talk to you in the world. Pay attention to the world and it will inspire you. Okay. Next is remember every week to go out and do something surprising, something new, something that you have not done before, at least haven't done in a long time. Go do something with somebody else maybe that isn't something you would normally do. You know, if you're if you're a girl, go with a guy to a car show. Guy, if you're a girl, go to the boy I'm being so so gender cliche in my examples, aren't I? So, or or go with me on a paleontology dig. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> but do something that you wouldn't normally do. Look at something through someone else's eyes. You know, maybe something, that's why I say go do something with someone else. Even if it's something you're not into, you'd be amazed at what you can learn by observing the excitement of passion of someone that is. It makes it so much more relatable and real and tangible. And later on, when you're writing, at some point, someday, you're going to pull from that experience. So don't get into a rut. You have to live life in order to write about life. 
like I did last month, 15 whole days out in the wilderness during the wildfires. <laughs> Find something to do every every single week to, to surprise yourself. So remember, guys, you're not just poets. Have fun exploring and writing outside your label and become a better poet because of it. Keep playing with your ideas, playing with your words. Keep having fun with your tasks and ideas and your thoughts. And in turn, they will have fun with you. All right. If you missed any of that, you can come back after the show is over and listen to the archives and jot them down. You can start and stop as we go and jot down all the information and you will be good to go. All right. Next thing I want to do is play an audio track. And I am going to bring on Christopher for a moment and let him introduce you as we get this part of the show started um, before we go any further because my face is really hurting right now. Whew. Christopher, are you with me? Hello. How are you doing, Miss Nyla? I'm good, and I'm actually getting in the echo right now. Oh, dear. Yeah, we didn't. it didn't happen last week, but this week it is. So... I don't know how I'm going to fix that. Hmm. Well, we can plan around it while we play a track. Um, Do you want to pick one out? I think back when I first started listening to the show, the very first track that I heard, I would like to hear that one again. That track was the story of Big Ben Tunnel. And that was by Maxwell Kessler. I don't suppose you have that one on hand? I do, but (laughs) how in the world do you remember that? Um, That was the very first show that I listened to, and I think it made an impression, because here we are how many years later? How many many years ago did did you first come to the show? That's a good question. Um, five? I think it was, yeah, about five, almost six years ago now. That's absolutely amazing. All right. Well, I am glad you're here tonight. I will play that track for you. Here we go. This is, I, I do have it. Yay. I was I was stalling so I could try to find it for you. This is story of big bed big <laughs> story of big bend tunnel by Maxwell Kessler. Here we go. Well, post-Civil War, who do you think they call upon to turn the ash back to brick? No, sir. You don't need chains to keep a man his place a few coins do you just fine. But when they promised us land for our work, we heard freezing. So we picked up spikes and shovels, followed that railroad wherever we were told to place it. Our job was to see the mountains of West Virginia as clay. Some of us died squinting so hard. Especially out there in the Big Bend Tunnel. We drove more than a mile deep into them hills. The only light we had was the one hitting our backs. That is, had not been for Mr. John Henry. With a hammer in his hands, John at arms like dynamite tip bullwhips, fireflies 
Bursting across his kneecaps, his slam sounded like bullets coming fresh out of a revolver. Hammerheads glowing like lanterns so hot, they melted the air a dark red, but John's voice was as holy as the blue breeze crawling up that tunnel to kiss our cheeks. Ain't no freedom in this work, brother. Freedom's when the clock runs out, when the only thing pushing against you is the wind, your daughter's hands, or your lover's lips. John always liked to talk about Polly Ann like that. Truest woman I ever met. She used to always tease him, say he wasn't working hard enough. <laughs> but we knew she'd come down to the tracks wearing her finest blue dress just so she could watch the rain dripping off of his chest. John, the preacher of sweat. Sermon of crash. Whenever he saw one of us falling, his voice would ring out like church bells. Stand up, son! These rocks ain't shackles! Just a whole lot of dust that don't know where to part ways when it sees our footsteps. He even made Captain Tommy want to pick up a hammer. Skinny-armed white man, dog bark, throat, dog heart yelling, Good God, Mr. Henry! Be careful now! What if them walls come caving in? Well, John just sing right back, I'll just lift this mountain with my hammer, Lord, Lord, crumble this here rock with my hand. In fact, the only time I heard John stop singing was when the steam drill come. Man, Mr. George, he called himself, sitting high and mighty on this soft, soft seat, surrounded by all matter of levers and iron, sticking out like jail bars, machine bigger than most of our houses, and he stepped down, his skin pale, like I never learned how to sweat. He walked right up to Captain Tommy and said, I got me a machine here, twice as efficient as them lazy niggers you got driving steel. If you give me some money, you can send all the work donkeys home. I wanted to scrape my calluses against his silky skin, peel off the husk, so he could feel what it's like to bleed. But John stepped between us and quietly said, I got a better idea. I never really heard of John being a gambling man, but when he said he needed to shake her, I was the first one to step forward. Now in the tunnel... Black dust clouds forming overhead. Every smack, pebbles and rock shards ripping by my ears into the air pocket of John's elbows. Every lift, his muscles swelled up. Blood glowing through his skin, the color of molten iron. I couldn't even see that steam engine. Shirts clocked shatter breathing down my neck. But John's voice rang out. Come on, shaker! Spin that steel! Steady hands now, brother! We got a steam drill to put to shame! He swung so hard and so fast that the sparks stuck to his hammer, arc like lightning bolts when he pulled back. The sound of air splitting shot out down the tunnel like an echo of a storm against the valley. Blew Tommy's hat clean off, wrapped around Polly Ann's neck like a whisper. And I used to think that only God could make thunder. Now when it was all said and done, John had drilled two seven-foot tunnels, one with each arm, and that steam engine man only had one. Nine feet to off fourteen, but when John's veins had cooled off, his body hardened up. Hart couldn't find enough room to keep beating against the anvil of his chest with only the strength of whisper. He motioned over to Polly Ann and said, The hammer crash was my first taste of God, the shadow of rock, proof that our hands gave us a choice. I'm sorry for what I had to do. Polly Ann kissed his cheek, watched his eyes drag backwards. Mr. George would step over his body, pull out his purse and say, Well, machine's still for sale, Tommy, unless you've got another monster like John Henry just lying around. Well, Polly Ann leapt up screaming, Listen here, Mr. Business Suit, Mr. Fabric Arms and Shiny Fingernails. Last I checked, I got hands. Just like John Henry had hands. Just like every man or woman here got hands. And ain't no steam engine could brew a storm like the fury pouring out of these palms. And with one arm, she swung that 20-pound hammer over her head and slammed the steel spike straight into that track. Good as any man. Blue dress whipping in the hurricane wind of her hips. Lightning pouring out of her pupils. Mr. George just stared right back. Silent, like he could smell the rain coming.
Maxwell Kessler with Big Ben Tunnel. I absolutely love that piece. You can find him on YouTube. Google him. Amazing. I'm glad you uh, picked that one, Christopher. I want to let you guys know what you can expect if you are on hold. The number to call in is 646-595-3965. We do take callers in the order that you call in, such as area code 731 is our first caller tonight. When I bring you on, please make sure that you introduce yourself. It's really important that people know who's reading. And Christopher's not been here in a while, so I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people on tonight that he has not met yet. Um, So be courteous and make sure that you introduce yourself. And also, you never want to send your work. I mean, you're, you're virtually... Uh, publishing your your piece on the airwaves right now, so you never want your work to go out there in the world um, without your name attached to it. When, uh, right now, you can do two poems. Uh, if the lineup gets too busy and that needs to change, then we will um, we will. I'll let you know when that happens. But right now, you're good at reading too. Keep them right around the five-minute mark. Be courteous of the people waiting in line behind you. And then, when you're done reading, make sure to give out your URL. You want to be courteous to uh, the people that want to come find you. I mean, what if I had heard Colette read and had no way to go find her? You know how sad my life would be not having her words a part of it. So make sure people know how to come find you. Uh, it's real important to build up that social network of people who enjoy your work, people who inspire you and who are inspired by you. Next, please remember that we have a mature rating. That means no bumping body parts, no tab A in the slot B, no bumping body parts. Other than that, you're good to go. No adult porn palms, you know what I mean. You know where the envelope should be pushed to and where it, it you know, falls off the table. So anything other than that, you're probably bound to hear just about anything, so you'll be good to go. I'm going to give the first three callers so you kind of know where you are, how soon you're coming up. We have area code 731, followed by 419, followed by 902. Those will be our first callers. I want to let area code 757 and 585 know that you are not in the lineup. If you would like to come on the air and read, please press 1. If you're here just listening, thank you for being here. Appreciate it. And enjoy the show. If you change your mind at any time, Seven five seven or five eight five. Press one, and that will put you in the lineup and alert me to unmute your calls. The way this is going to work is I am going to turn the show over to Christopher to host, and I'm going to be running the switchboard in the background. I am going to be here listening and holding on to every single word you say, but my mouth needs to stop moving now. All right. Um, I do want to ask, and I hope I don't get a horrible echo here. Um, I want to find out. If uh, Christopher, if you bought something to read tonight, um, I did not. But my understanding is that you are supposed to read one, and it's not happened this month. Uh, I'm supposed to read a poem on, as per agreement with you guys. I'm supposed to read a poem once a month because I never read on my own show and. You guys got mad at me, and so I promised I would read a, you know, first first show of the month, every month I would read something, but I can't read right now. Um, so I didn't read one last week, so that's why I didn't do that. 
Uh, well, most of the time I would let you off the hook, but I am pretty darn sure that you have some recordings of your stuff. So that will have to suffice for this month. You, you didn't even bring anything to read tonight, so I will do that. I will play my track. I'll play a track if you promise to bring something to read next week. I think I can do that. You what? I think I can do that. I am trying really hard to make sure that we don't get an echo by muting muting and unmuting our lines together. So is there anything special? Is there a, a track you want to hear? Um, I think, let's see, you have one by the title of, I believe it's Room with a View. Okay. I will play Room with a View. And that means I don't have to read. I don't think I could read right now. All right, here we go. This is Room with a View. <laughs> here you go. Room with a View by Nyla Alicia You come back. Why? And why now? After all this time? After so many walls have been built? Overgrown with graffiti vines dropping the leaves of too many not enough words said. Why now, when the bridges have stopped smoldering and the sky is clear? When fish have returned to the river again? Still, there you are, on the other side, on top of the walls. You scaled so easily. Always been easy for you, hasn't it? You with your monkey tongue and double jointed smile, making child's play out of my mystery. Like when you sent the stars to woo me, disguised as dark chocolate troubles. Now, again, after all this time, after all my hard work. You're there, just like before, tossing pebbles at my window. I sit at my desk writing this, listening to the tap, tap, tap. Like static echoing from our past, buried past, making a shambles did to put you away. There are too many doors and not enough keys. Too many skeletons to reassemble to fix this. 
there, precariously perched, looking like hell. Your white flag arms floundering in the air. Hands flying like white doves, cooing to get my attention. You know how ridiculous you look. Staring out the window. I just, I keep wondering why. Why now? Why after all this time? Room with the View, my mandatory reading for the month of October. Yay, it's done. All right, you guys, once again, I'm going to turn this over to Christopher. I want to remind once again before I do, 757 and 585, you are not in the lineups. Please press 1 if you'd like to come on the air at any time. Otherwise, enjoy the show. So, Christopher, I'll let you introduce the first caller. Remember, you have to bring a poem next week. All right, here we go. Dun, dun, dun. I'm muted. All right. I will bring my poem, but you only get to think that you're off the hook for this month. There will be more surprises later. All right. So first up on the air, we have caller area code 731. 731, you are on the air. Good afternoon, Christopher. Michael Todd calling from West Tennessee. It's great to have you again this week, sir. Thanks for coming. Hey there, Michael. It is always good to be here. So, what do you have for us this time? I've got two very short pieces, both uh, keyed in for October. When October gets here, uh, that's that's when the fun time kicks in. Nala's great in October, especially when she wears black dresses. <laughs> she wears a lot of black dresses, too, and I'm, from, I'm grateful. Uh, recently, uh, I had a prose piece. I may have shared it here. I had to do it when I came home, and, and the wife had left a note. We had a mouse, and I was supposed to uh, do the mouse in, and things just didn't go right. He stole my candy corn. So, so... I put together Mouse Wars Part 2, which was just a running tabulation of our progress, and I made a picture for it, and it's a really nice picture. I put it on my Facebook, um, went to the bathroom, posed in front of the bathroom shower curtain, which is there's a giant parrot on there. I have a thing about tropical parrots in the bathroom, and don't we all? And, uh, and then also I have a new mouse traps, although one of them was a rat trap, and it's about the size of notebook paper. So uh, there was that, and uh, and then I, I wore my Long John Silver's hat. It actually says Long John Silver's, 
And um, and I had my black cat Salem, but that dude was hanging limp like he'd been shot. He does not pose well. And uh, that that was the basis for our our little our little poem. And I'll, I'll read it. It's called Mouse Wars Part Two. Betty Rogers called for an end of tale. It grieves me to admit a major fail. The mouse in the picture should be dead. Truth be told. Scoundrel ate the loaf of bread. Trudy went on the internet to peruse, saying, I've got some traps you can use, opening the U.S. Parcel, PS parcels on the table. With these, you should surely be able. We chose the bathroom for Mouse Waterloo. Traps and cheesy puffs, and he's through. The guy who has my back, his name is Pete. Old Pete's the world's biggest parakeet. Salem's a black cat. Ball for Halloween. He was once the best mouser on the scene. Now he gone limp, simply can't contain. All of his focus gone down the drain. He drank commode water, just can't resist. Looks like a mousing opportunity missed. He'll be surprised when he wakes to find. I wish he was a monkey, the climbing kind. Last week's trap got a finger, went splat. I curse like a sailor, so there's that. Below the curtain, traps going to the mat while I stand guard wearing a sailor hat. Now to set this big trap and share the love, I'm wishing I'd brought along a glove. I pull back the window, curtains a little wider. Oh, shit. Trudy, come kill this spider. Uh, that was adorable. <laughs> I was getting a nice Tom and Jerry kind of vibe from it. <laughs> well, I'm going to get that mouse. Trust me, I will. I will. <laughs> the dude didn't just get my candy corn. Dude, he walked off with one of the pumpkins. <laughs> Things are heavy. Oh, All right. Man. I have a true Halloween poem here. I wrote okay. for this girl. Named, I wrote for a girl named Ed, Alex. You'll you'll find it. I'll probably have a thousand poems ready. In nine hundred fifty, I can say I wrote this for a girl. Because <laughs> well, Deb used to say the reason we write poems is to get the girl's attention, and it just made sense. Deb was quite the gentleman. So uh, mm-hmm. Alex and I are both on this uh, Halloween site on Facebook. It's, with that site, it's Halloween year-round. It never stops. And her question posed one night was Halloween decorations, should they be cute or really creepy? And everybody's like, creepy, creepy, creepy. Well, they're just putting on it. The answer's cute. It's always cute. So I, rather than just say it, I, I wrote Alex a poem. It's called Halloween Etiquette. For Alex. Bats that grin like a sitting hen after eating seeds and briars. No need to wonder where she's been. Just focus on all that inspires. Skeleton that whistles in hand while hanging high from a rafter comes to visit like an old friend escaping from the hereafter. A pumpkin carved with a nice smile greeting all those who happen past to trick-or-treat in single file 
Cause your memories may to last. Halloween doesn't need to scare those who wander into the night, except for those who take a dare. That probably calls for a fright. In form. <laughs> I don't think I've ever really sat there and thought about the etiquette of Halloween before. <laughs> no. I like it. Nice and lighthearted. Thanks. I think... It helps when you hmm. write poems like that to not be mad at anybody. <laughs> uh, it seems like there's been plenty of that going around. So, yeah. I think right now something lighthearted, something a little bit different. I think we could all use a small change of pace. And October seems to be a great time for it right now. Fantastic. All right, if anybody wants to come by and visit me, you can find me, uh, MikeTodd.blogspot.com. Spell Mike, M-Y-K-E, MikeTodd.blogspot.com. We have a few poems stacked up over there. If you want to come visit, you know, if you go to the comments and you speak to me, I'll respond. I will every single time. So I think that's the only thing that sets me apart. All right, well, hey. Thanks for allowing me to visit. Nala, it's a pleasure to talk to you off screen tonight. Glad you're doing better. I think by a couple of weeks from now, you should be able to read something of your own or mine. We'll work on that. Haikus. You're really big on haikus. Mm-hmm. All right, Christopher, <laughs> thank you. I'm going to head off into the night. and and love y'all you, have great. I love you too, dear. Y'all have a great evening. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thank you, Michael. All right, let's see. Next in line, we have area code 419. 419, you are Hello. on the air. Hello there, sir. How are you? I'm doing quite well. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. And I'm, I heard Nyla shout my name out, Agent 419. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh, that was a cool shout out. I, I heard my name. I'm like, what? Because I'm listening, doing dishes. And I'm like, Shelly. I'm like, what? She just said my name. So I felt special. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she has a strange way of doing that for people. She's a sweet lady. I've never met her, but I felt like I know her my whole life. You know, those kind of people. <laughs> I do indeed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, she said we could read too, but I'm not sure because... Um, One's kind of long and short, and one's kind of long and not short, but I don't know. I've never timed myself reading them, so I don't know. I'll just start with one, and if I time at the end, let me know. How's that? I think that works. Okay, I'll start with, uh, it's called Be a Model. Okay. The woodworker, he chisels, he whittles. The builder constructs a home. The plumber, he fixes a leak. The electrician, so shocking, decides to speak. He says, men of different walks of life, perform the job they were born for. We all play our part, even the clerk at the shopping mart. The musician plays his song all night long, while the singer hums the lyrics, hums the tunes to their favorite song. The cook, not so skinny, perfects his favorite dish. The husband to wife gives both hug and kiss. A life we should surely miss if we fail to play our part. Everyone has a role we contribute to life. No matter what we do, we are all integral. The teacher who models the children with education the kind Mr. Police Officer who grants only a warning citation. A doctor making his living makes his diagnosis. A church who grants 
peace be with you from pulpit to pew. Doesn't matter the occupation, these are some to name a few. The engineer he conducts, the trainer he instructs, the coach he teaches to win, attitude means everything. The preacher he acknowledges we all sin. There are so many shoes to fill in a world that we walk. The actors overpaid read others' penned lines in this world gone mad. The cops do dish out the fines. The drug dealers wheel and deal. No need to walk the streets. Customers make up everyone, no matter what the purchase. We are all consumers in a retail world, whether it's guns, cars, bread, clothes, shoes, booze, or food. There is always too much to choose. To every shopper, there is a clerk. To every asshole, there lies a jerk. In the game of life, there are winners and there are losers. Don't forget the hearts of our American soldiers. We are a befuddled nation. The immigrant works hard for his money. Sad he dwells in a piece of shit country. A government befalling its own people. Such sadness, such corruption. People from Korea got a lot of soul. From cops and robbers to saints and bandits, we are chocked full of every sort. What about the insurance industry who hide the crooks in the cohorts? Doesn't don't forget the professionals who make their life living or I'm sorry, who make their living from sports. America, home of the free. Right or wrong, the choice to take a knee causes some to agree, others to speak profanity. We live where we are poisoned by TV. Truth becomes opinions not based on any fact, because so-and-so said that, it must be true. What a mentality to not think for ourselves, to just believe the ideas of someone else, to follow a crowd, to follow the masses, makes one not a free thinker, rather a gatherer of acids. Be a model. What is your role? <laughs> and <laughs> Oh, man. I really enjoyed that. It it kind of had this almost gravitational pull to it, this mix of both the wonderful and the ridiculous all at the same time. And I can't think of anything better for, yeah, exactly kind of what's going on in America right now. Two sides to one very increasingly complicated story. Right, and I wrote this pre-COVID, and then I I, read, I found it today, and I'm like, I'm going to read that for the show because it seems like it's prevalent today, too. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun to write, I guess. <laughs> All right. Now, you said you had a second piece, Wagon? If you, if you have time, for, I could read one more if you guys have time, and I'll try to read fast. I am like absolutely game if you are. <laughs> okay. Um, this one is kind of on a – sadder note, but it's called alcoholism. Um, Alcoholism, a sad, lonely, black, dark, all-consuming disease that eats away from the inside out, a world that is void and empty of little human emotion, a world that hurts others affected by it. Alcoholism, a slow, painful death ruins relationships and takes away so much, a desperate attempt to try and deal with life by drinking it away, pains and hurts to be drowned out, yet never seem to go away. They are there, prevalent with each passing day. Alcoholism is a bitch to sit and watch and have no control, to be a witness to the physical ramification but cannot do a damn thing about it. Cuts, stabs, and rips out one's heart as the one affected turns bitter to the years of subjection. Alcoholism leaves me praying for the disease. To have hope they might fight the eternal battle that they wage every night, to long for sobriety. Truth is alcohol consumption starts as a choice, a decision that is no longer made as it takes over the entirety of daily life, turns one short and into an asshole, becomes routine. Alcoholism takes over, 
giving in to it every day because the fight is less worth it. Because it doesn't make sense to quit for oneself or even for the loved ones and the family, which are all affected as innocent bystanders. Truly doesn't make anyone responsible for their own actions as one can simply blame it on the drink. Alcoholism gives way too much severing relationships that should have lasted forever. Takes away from one's personality, making them into a monster. Vile and short and constantly wanting to fight, engaging in a never-ending war. There are no winners and the battle hardly ever gets won. Alcoholism. A sight to behold asking the question why. Is it worth it and all these people hurting? Yes, it is a choice until one allows it to consume every aspect of their lives. The final decline, the failing health, eventually dementia, and the poor assholeism that is created from the disease is unfathomable. Alcoholism began as fun times and then the fun stops. A couple drinks with friends and then eventually one cannot consume enough or quit because at some point one's choice to drink turned from making that initial choice to no other option but to drink like a fish with the hatch constantly open like the loose lips that operate overtime, always opening for more. Alcoholism. The sad, truthful reality is that the alcoholic deep down inside has a pure heart of gold, failing to see the goodness in themselves as they piss years away with the insurmountable drinks. Light seldom shines in the hearts as darkness has taken over everything. They reside in a place so lonely and dark and fail to let the goodness of light befall upon them. It has extinguished. The world in which they dwell becomes smaller and smaller and smaller, yet they continue to drink up until their final demise. Alcoholism. I pray for the drenched souls, for absolution and for resolution, to find the path of light and for the reckoning to finally come. It does exist. Vanquish the darkened veil adorned for so long and leave it in the shadows where it belongs. I pray for truth as one who lives with this disease is in denial and failing, failing miserably to not only live into their potential, but to see it in themselves as well. We are all capable of choices until the choices choose you if you allow them to. Alcoholism. Be the cure. Rid yourself of the disease. The decision starts today. Let it start with you. Let it not take any more of you away. And peace. That one kind of gave me chills. <laughs> Man, I don't know if you intended it for it to be this way, but I was getting very much the cyclical kind of feel from it and felt very analogous to, well, exactly what an addict's life kind of becomes. And just the daily repeat of going through this whole kind of routine and how it typically only seems to get worse. I really, really enjoyed it, but man, that really kind of hits home. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I like have dealt with it in my life with family members and stuff. And like a grandpa that died before I ever met him, because I was told he was an alcoholic, um, died in a car accident with alcohol in them. And um, I just have such a, a thing with that, that emotion of not being alcoholic myself, but friends and family members. And I've been to um, Al-Anon meetings where the people that aren't the drinkers go um, to try to understand the disease and everything. And um, it's just, it's so sad when you have to actually like, be the one to actually watch it or your life affected by it. Because I was a child growing up with a step-parent that was a really bad alcoholic. So um, I kind of got the ramifications of the, the ill will and the, the just every time I'm going to drink and nothing ever turned good about it. So I put a lot of heart, soul, and personal vendetta stuff in it from living that life without having a choice as a child. 
um, and seeing it every day, to be honest. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, no, it's it's very real. I mean, it's it's not exactly a disease that impacts just the one person. I mean, it really kind of does spill over and have ramifications for friends, for family, for that random stranger down the street or driving the opposite direction. And that piece really did a beautiful job of summing that all up. Thank you. I um I did post that recently, and then I posted it before on some pages, and someone said that, like, his family members are, like, alcoholics, and he totally related, and thank me for sharing it. And I guess if you could just touch one person with your poems, I mean, that means a lot to me. Like, you know, his words were so, like, reflective of I, that's the reason why I want to write, and I don't do it for profit. You know, I just do it for, for my hobby, and um, I'm glad I could touch people with that piece. Perfect. No, <laughs> keep at it. I mean, you've got this wonderful energy, and yeah, I think right now the world probably needs a lot more art, a lot more poetry than it does some of the other things going around. I, I think so, too. It takes your mind off of it. <laughs> All right, Agent 419. Would you be so kind as to let people know how they can reach out and get a hold of you? Yes, sir. Um, my name is Shelly Gambino. I'm on Facebook. Um, probably don't want to go to the Shelly Gambino site, but um, Poetical Intrigue, not to confuse yourself with political, it's Poetical Intrigue. Um, I am a published writer, and I write. I publish my poems on that page, which basically, it's not my opinion. It's just, well, my poetry is my opinion, but it's all poetry. <laughs> so um, if someone wants to read more of my poems, they can find me on Facebook at Poetical Intrigue. So. <laughs> all right. Thank you very much, Shelley. All right. So yes, I'm sir. Put and, you um, Nyla, have a good night. Oh. You too. Okay. Aww. All right, Shelley. I'm going to put you on hold, and I'm going to bring on our next caller. Great. Okay. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you. You too. Next up, we have area code 902. 902, you are on the air. Hi, uh, Chris. Uh, nice to meet you. My name is Bauke Kamstra, and uh, I have a few poems I'd like to read. All right. Have at it, sir. All right. Well, this first one's actually about uh, – um, I write a lot of short poems. I have got two short ones, and then if I have time, um, if you give me time, I'll read another one. Uh, okay. This one is about a murder in Newfoundland, which is close to me and far from you. Um, it was kind of a reversal of the typical man goes crazy and kills his wife kind of thing. This was a girl who turned around and killed the lover that jilted her, and I call it Hammer Girl. It is in the groan of meat shifting, the smooth sound rounding the hip. Box store hammer hung akimbo, the clenched arms slick with firm muscled intent. Never were we meant to survive such wrath. That's it. Okay, you were not kidding. That was quite short. But, man, yeah, I... I <laughs> I I have to say that last line or uh, the line about never were we meant to survive such wrath, that really paints an image or short piece. But, man, that 
painted very, very vivid. She was a well-known athlete in uh, Newfoundland and kind of was very surprising for everyone when she got arrested for murder and such a violent murder, usually associated with men. Not that I have a point to make with that. It's just, you know, makes it stand out. So who who was that piece based on? Now I'm quite curious. Okay. If you search Hammer Girl Murder Newfoundland, you'll find it in Google. Uh, let me see. Not that that's what they called it, but uh, let's see here. Hmm. And North. Uh, is that the one? Yeah. Newfoundland athlete admits to killing a man with hammer. Uh, claims mental disorder. She was charged with first-degree murder. Wow. A former top Newfoundland athlete. Yep. All right. I'm going to have to check that out. Okay. So. All right. So um, I'll have more of a... Um, I'm working on sexual poems lately. That's going to be the theme of my next book. And this isn't one of the ones for the book, but it's kind of representative of the theme. I wanted to tell the last one because so many of the people on this show have wonderful stories behind what they do. And Normally I sit down, start writing, disappear, and then a poem comes out. I don't really have big stories about them. I don't know really where they come from. And this one is, with the sanctity of my voice, I touch you. It is my vision that penetrates you. I can carry you leagues on the power of my tongue, cross seas with you in my mouth. Even now I need to swallow your beauty. Hmm. That's it. (laughs) All right. Okay. That All right. was another so really short piece. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought if you could pack a lot of information to a small piece, then you could carry that talent into a large piece and carry all kinds of pieces of information. I think I'd be inclined to agree with you. Short pieces kind well, of force you to create that that piece of imagery that really does kind of hang around long after the last syllable is faded away. Well, we can test it out if there's time for me to do a longer one. I do believe that there is. Let's hear it. Some kisses know no grief dwelling in the house of sleep. I've carried you trembling. I've captivated you with the sinewy strength of my perseverance. Swills in the swell, I am spellbound by hunger with the slight sway of your grace, the thready tangle of blonde. Taking breath, the breadth of a sharpened claw suspended in desire for the space of a praised decay. My gentle fingers caress the bow of your neck, kiss the hand with which you cover your breath. Distracted by the song of Ardor, swinging the bar you've drawn out by your touch. I know, I now know what the sky knows, 
dropped to the land with thunder, scrabbling in the cage of arms, broadening the mind with wonder. But you will learn to breathe again around the broken bones of your wind. The singularity of my thought, assumed by an untamed urge, salacious and wild infused with the scent of your sex. Did I was, succeed? Was that the end of the, the piece? That was the end, yeah. <laughs> okay. Man. There was a line in there that really kind of jumped out at me. And let's see. I'm going to say, I now know what the sky knows. I Stuff. now know what the sky knows. Drop to the land with thunder. Stuff like that, Sprouting I think, really does. Yeah. Really does just kind of linger. Those, those are some really powerful lines. Well, I started off as a visual artist, and I think that all snuck in. <laughs> okay. So. Stuff like that that makes me hitch. Not sure if you heard that, but Nyla just no, kind of motioned over like and said, "Stuff like that is what makes me his groupie." <laughs> <laughs> well, no complaints for having groupies. I love groupies; they're the best. <laughs> All right. So before right. you disappear, please let everyone know how they can find you and show you some love. Well, um, I have a special request, if I might permit. Um, oh. I need okay. people to give me reviews on right. Facebook. So if you send me an email, I will send you some free PDFs. I have uh, a four-volume set called um, Passion Demands a Vocabulary of Desire. And my email address is livinghistory at accesswave.ca. Um, I'm also on Twitter at weird, a, uh, at symbol W Y R D E and by my name, Balka Kamstra on Facebook. Is that all right? I think that was perfect. Thank you so much for calling in Balka. Oh, my pleasure. I didn't make it last week, although Nyla asked me, but uh, so I was able to make a point of getting here this week. She has a very stern look on her face right now. I do not. <laughs> Listen, there's something about her that's absolutely amazing. She draws people who fall in love with her. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised. All right, Falca. So I Good look night. forward to hearing more stuff from you next week then. Well, we'll see. I can't guarantee you. All right. Uh, you have a good night. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Next up in line, we have area code 219, followed by 216 and 903, and then I see 503. All right. So area code 219, you are on the air. Hey, how you doing? This is Brother on the line from me, Chicago, Indiana. How you doing? Hey there, Brother O. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? Uh, 
just sitting here kind of covering for Nyla yet again. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going to try and guilt her into having to read another piece. Yeah. Okay. So, what do you have for us this week? This is a poem called Keep Your Relationship Business Off of Social Media. My dear brothers and sisters, the key to maintaining strong and healthy marriages and relationships, I strongly advise you to keep your relationship business off of social media. Social media platforms were originally intended to reconnect with old friends and classmates in high school and college and our relatives and friends from other states. Social media platforms are giving us a very powerful tool to express our personal views and share our life experiences along with our achievements and milestones. However, we have to recognize that you and now have to be accountable for what we post on our pages. Because you have thousands of followers who read your posts and comment on them. My personal viewpoints on post relationship statuses are very guarded by that because we're very private brother in real life. I don't have no problems of posting pictures of me and my queen to let females know that I'm already taken and changing my relationship status from single to a relationship. However, I'm keeping my relationship business off of social media because it's all about respecting my privacy. And I don't want the intimate details of my relationship with my queen to be posted public for everyone to see. My dear brothers and sisters, I have no issue with you posting who your relationship with the games are married to as long as you guys are happy being together and showing your relationship is flourishing and prospering. However, you have to deal with the reality that some people are going to display their envious and jealous feelings and never be happy for you. Some people want to break up their marriage relationships so they can move in and try to see a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, or wife. Some people only want to sabotage the relationship of marriage by spreading bitches and false rumors. The issues they have within themselves have nothing to do with you. My dear brothers and sisters, social media platforms are not the place for you to post arguments and excuse because nosy people always try to pry into your personal business and private affairs by chiming in, by posting comments about your relationship or marriage, putting your relationship or marriage on social media platforms, open invitations for people to get in your personal business. Open invitations for people to gossip and post their comments on your posts. And open invitations for those trolls to scope out your posts and express, express their obvious and jealous and envious feelings about your relationship or marriage. My personal advice if you have an argument or disagreement or issue in your relationship or marriage, Please discuss them in private instead of broadcasting disputes on social media for everybody to see and have the maturity to resolve them instead of putting each other on blast on social media and poem. Oh, man. 
I <laughs> I don't know how many times I've kind of run across that myself. Um, there's definitely something to be said for yeah, all the scrutiny that comes with putting something like that on display on social media, and I don't know. It's it's one thing to sit down and share your love. It's another thing to kind of air your grievances with each other. Yeah. And I know social media is still a very new kind of thing for, well, everybody at this point. But it's mm-hmm. kind of scary how damaging it can be if... Uh, we forget some of those settings are not exactly private. Right. So what was it that kind of pushed you to write this piece? Oh, uh, that actually, uh, actually, uh, inspired by posts. I've seen uh, other people posting their personal business on social media and everybody and have everybody had negative comments to Composting negative comments about that. I feel that if you have an issue with somebody, you should talk to them directly or call them or inbox in person instead of in and out on social media for everybody, everybody to jump in and, and uh, comment and, po- and post their comments. And people always, some people always. They have something to say and want to venture their opinions on something that they don't really know know much in any information about. Yeah, I think that's definitely kind of a scary side to it. There's the person that's posting it originally, and then there's all the comments that kind of come forth from that. Gives you a mm-hmm. pretty eye opening experience into a great many people, and I don't think everyone really wants that kind of scrutiny, that kind of attention. Right. Yeah. Right, because a lot of some people just don't like being the center of attention. They like the they like the they like the, their privacy. All right. Ah, some good stuff, Brother O. Okay. Let everyone know how they can reach out give you some feedback. Uh, if you if you enjoy this poem, you find me on Facebook under the name of my brother O'Gavin. And, uh, and as always, thank you for supporting me on the Speakeasy Cafe every Thursday night. I truly appreciate it. Always a pleasure to have you here, Brother O. All right, man. You have yourself a Thanks, good night. Chris. Take care. You too. All right. So next up on the line, let's see. I believe that was area code 216. 216, you are on the air. Thank you. I'm on hey the there, air. Mama. <laughs> Hello. Well, welcome back again for the second week. It was awesome last week. We want now to get better, but um, very much so. Going to ask for a better uh, stand-in. Um, <laughs> you will make me blush. 
I'm not trying to do that because I got a poem about that. I hate people that do Uh-oh. that. <laughs> so I'm going to read that one first since you said so. All right. And, um, it's on my Facebook page. It's basically about people. Let me see. It's about people trying to like hype you up. You don't know what for for what reason, but then again, and again, if you just find out, they just like to hype people up because they like to play games, like compare one person to the other, or give this person a bunch of accolades, and then say, you know, oh how great that person is, and put you on a list about a, the really great poets or whatever, just all kind of crazy stuff. I don't believe in that kind of stuff. No, so. I made the name of this poem is called Love and Like Me. <clears throat> but don't fake hype me. Okay. <laughs> How you like that? <laughs> I'm gonna try and let you read this and I'm gonna try not to, to have little giggles around it all. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't compete. Don't add me to any list. Or contest. I did not establish myself on Facebook. I had a life when I got here. I was and am a solid institution before and since you met me. Some of those names you say in the same breath with mine is a diss, an insult to have them and me on the same list. Some names I rebuke and make me want to puke. There are people whom which I don't want to be associated or categorized with. Misery is no myth. Poor character I don't keep company with. Mainly because I stand on my own merits and create my own code. I'll never forget who quietly helped me to carry my load. Do not stick my name into your people praise session. It only creates jealousy and hatred. Move your procession down the road. I am upright and would never stoop that low. Not to the level I've seen these people bow to in the matrix. Antics of a low life can prove lethal. I don't compare myself to anyone, and I do not worship people. Praise the Lord. He is worthy. Oh, Oleaginous is weak flattery to a false promise of loyalty. Don't oil me. Please leave me off of your silly list of tag of queens. Brag on a queen, snag a queen, bag a queen, grab a queen. Though I am the all-around queen, I am not a queen. I do motherly, queenly, godly things. I am a human, an empress, putting in the effort, putting in the work, giving God the praise. So don't fake hype and peace. As always, you've got some wonderful lines in there that just kind of 
kind of make me shudder. <laughs> uh, forgive me if I butcher this one, but there was one that really kind of jumped out and kind of lingered with me. I think it was, I create my own code and never forget who helped me carry the load. That, I really, really love that. So often when we are starting to become successful, we do have those people that chase after us, that flatter. And the people that have been there tend to be forgotten. Right. Because they're quiet. They don't go around mm-hmm. telling people what they did for you. Oh, I did this for this. Oh, I did that for you. They don't do that. They mm-hmm. do it. They quietly, quietly carry the load. Help you carry the load. They help you tug on your burden. Two hearts tugging on the same burden. You don't have to go run around telling everybody. And then the people that hype you up. The people that hype you up, they're the first ones that turn around and stab you in the back. Mm-hmm. Because all they want to do is associate themselves with your name and make you look bad when they go down. Like y'all are really mm-hmm. buddies. No, you're not. I don't even even know you like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that like habit you. of name dropping can, yeah. I know. Like, you know, I just don't like it. Like I said, uh, the oleogenous is a thing that was like happened yesterday when, hmm. on the on the on the debate when the man tried to butter the sister up, and I put up I put the caption under there, pimping ain't easy. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely the woman I know. <laughs> he went. He went try to tell he started pimping. Like he was just gonna butter her up with all this like oh how nice and great she was and how was the honor being on the same like what the heck is he doing? <laughs> oh and then the fly. Oh my god, the fly. Don't even mention the fly. Oh that was it. Oh, so my second poem is gonna be I had to go pull out my poem about the fly. And this is, I wrote this in I wrote this uh, a while back, maybe like in 2016. It's called The Old Sofa and the Fly on the Wall. The old sofa and the fly on the wall. That furniture that grandma's house has never seen. The furniture at grandma's house has never had a, what? I never seen. I don't know what this is. Behind, oh, that has never seen, has never, that has never seen a behind sit down directly on it. Okay. Start over. The old sofa and the fly on the wall. That furniture at grandma's house that has never had a behind sit down directly on it. The plastic had duct tape over top where something sharp had pierced a hole. This sofa that had lasted 30 years unscathed. The sofa had also had another de- decorative cover with big crazy flowers over top of the plastic. The furniture had a story to tell and secrets to keep. That old sofa told the walls to hush and to never mind the shadows it had seen moving methodically as the streetlights beamed in while the household was asleep. The old sofa whispered to the floor to stop creaking, told back and forth to the fridge, drinking up the Kool-Aid and sweltering 
in the summer heat. A quiet breeze swept gently through the open window to help introduce grandma to help induce grandma's sleep. Somehow a fly managed to get through the small tear in the screen. The fly was the only living witness as to what what went on that night. As to what went on that night. Those were the kind of nights that babies were made. Sunday morning, too sleepy for church. Curls, sweated out, edges nappy once again. Years later, after the plastic was hard and yellow and the flowers were faded, the once bright fabric had been given in to the years of washing. We gathered around the small living room at Grandma's house sharing stories of how we were not allowed to sit directly on that sofa and reminiscing of making tents on the floor as we watched scary movies on the television. After Grandma's memorial service and all the aunts and uncles and cousins had left, I kept that old beat-up-looking sofa, took it to my house, and ripped the plastic off of it. To my surprise, the sofa, now an heirloom, looked brand spanking new. I said to myself, if Grandma only knew. As I was fluffing up the pillows and clearing out the coins and other debris, I noticed an old Polaroid photo lost in the crevice of the sofa. There it was, the lost picture of me and my prom date, now husband. All these years we had wondered, Whatever happened to our prom picture? Well, that day for the first time, I sat on the sofa without cover or plastic. I stared at the picture for a while. Oh, my, I remember. We had gone out to have burgers, paid for our prom picture, and went to the after party. Came straight home to my house afterwards and there was no money left for a motel. Excited to share this discovery, I waited for my husband to come home and said, Honey, look what I found. The amazement on his face was priceless. He laughed and said teasingly, Let us be thankful for this sofa that has kept our secret so well. We made love again like we had on that blissful night. Only this time the sofa could breathe, after which we laughed and remembered, remembering how we had decided that the nosy fly on the wall knew too much and had to die. In peace. <laughs> uh, that, <laughs> that was really something. <laughs> I think all of us have those little moments of like, yeah, if only people knew. <laughs> Just to kind of think of all those random little objects that we keep with us that do have stories to tell. I know <laughs> she might not be able to say it herself, but Nyla would be giddy with this. She loves all the stories that are held inside little things. and. I think this piece perfectly sums that up. 
all of those little moments, things that tend to be forgotten that get swept under the rug or just kind of fade. If something like that could just um, share for a yeah. moment. <laughs> Thank you. And a lot of people don't remember, but grandmas and aunties, they had that plastic on the sofa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that the plastic was a big, ugly flower piece of cloth that threw on top of that. And oh my God, by the time 40, 50 years over with, the <laughs> sofa brand new, like never been touched. And then uh, that slide took center stage yesterday. I decided I remembered about the sofa, the old sofa, and the fly on the wall with the name of the seat. Um, so, but yeah, that's why they even gave the fly a microphone on a mem. Uh, that fly is very famous now, and so I had to bring cousin to the forefront. Let me show my secrets. Okay, oh, man. thank you, here. I enjoyed it. Next week, I hope. I think that is a strong possibility. <laughs> All right, Mama. Before you run away, you got to let people know how they can find you. They can find me on um, poetry through com, or right here on Facebook, um, Library of My Poems, uh, Vicky Aqua. That's A C Q U A A. Oh, well. All right. I look forward to seeing you next week. Okay. And that guy that came on mm -hmm. earlier with the long um, uh, email address, he needs to put that on Nyla's page because we can't remember <laughs> that. And I would like to. I think but that is um, pretty fair. Yeah, put it on the uh, event page because we would like this uh, find you, but we're not going to remember that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you once again, Mama. All right. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to put you on hold and I'm going to bring on the next caller. All right. Okay. Next in line, we have area code 903. 903, you are on the air. Awesome. This is Little Gary in East Texas. I'm on 1316 County Road. How are y'all tonight? <laughs> doing quite well. Sounds like you're doing pretty good yourself. Uh, yes, sir, man. You're very uh, keen on uh, uh, good feelings. So, yes, sir, absolutely, man. I've been enjoying your show, and I cannot wait to share a little <laughs> bit of what I do with y'all, for sure. Okay. Let's hear your first one. All right, man. I got two of them tonight. One of them I'm going to introduce you to me. Uh, it's called My Style, and then I'm going to give you a heart one called She Loves Me okay. Not after that. Ooh. All right. This All is right. My Style by Little Gary. They say I got my own style. I say it's because I've been crawling for miles. These ups and downs has made me so versatile, and I'm using my mistakes like a file. I know the way that I write <laughs> Is not really ideal. So I just write what I want and however I feel. And with nothing to lose, everything I write is for real. If there's anything left, y'all, you can just hand me the bill. I'm broke, but I know how to bend. And I've learned that trust is earned. I only was able to keep one friend. And I write every poem that 
on my phone so I don't have to pay for a pen. I have no room for drama. So when it comes my way, I mark it, return to sender, and then send. Y'all better know that I write rhymes that flow like a river because it's carrying the words that I want to deliver. I guess you can just say, little Gary's a giver, filtering life's hard times using my writing just like a liver. So I hope I'll be around for a while, and I hope every day I can share my big smile because I'm waiting on the day that a publisher will get my number and dial and say, damn, little Gary, we sure love your crazy, real-ass, funny new style. End point. (laughs) I loved it. I think all of us really kind of struggle, especially when it comes to sharing our stuff with getting comfortable with who we are, with our own style, with our writing, with our, our speaking. And just to kind of have that written down in a piece like this, that's perfect. Ah, thank you very much for sharing that one. Awesome, awesome. Well, I hope you like this next one. Um, okay. This one right here is called She Loves Me Not by Little Gary. After she left, I started pulling petals off of a rose. I don't think she really loved me, but that's just how it goes. You can tell that I'm dying inside because when you see me, it glows. So as I started pulling petals off y'all, I had to keep my eyes closed. One after another, I unwillingly tore. You would think I'd be good at this already because it's happened before. But all I can think about right now is how much it hurt when she walked out of my door. And her yelling back at me, I hate you and I don't love you no more. So now, tears start to follow the rose petals straight to the floor. I'm halfway there, and it's got my broken heart just erasing. Because of her moving home without me, oh, God, is the unthinkable task that I'm facing. Because she's the kind of girl that every guy will soon be all over and chasing. Just thinking about it right now has got me crying, pulling petals, open and pacing. I'm down for the count, y'all, and my petals are few. She'll never come back to me. So this wishful thinking with rose petals is all I can do. They say time heals all wounds, but damn it, it's only been four days since she said it's over, we're through, making me feel so dead inside that I wish in the hell I was blue. With only three petals to go, I started sweating because my body was getting clammy and hot, and my vision is blurry from too many tears, and I I can't breathe with a nose full of snot. And even after everything she's done to me, y'all, I still really, really miss and love her a lot. Now with two petals to go, I pull one and say, she loves me. But oh my God, y'all, I guess she forgot. And so the last words that I said right before I hit the floor so hard you'd think I was shot was, oh shit, she loves me not. End point. Oh, man, I think that kind of sums up that feeling of, yeah, that first real kind of heartbreak really well. I don't know how many of us have really kind of sat there just going, man, I I hope this works out. I know we can make it work. And then having to come to that conclusion of, I guess this is the end. That was wonderful, man. All right, little Gary. How can people find you, share some feedback, some love with you? Absolutely. You can find me at LittleGary76 on allpoetry.com 
or down here on County Road 1316 in East Texas. But the little Gary76, I got hundreds of uh, poems. I only started writing a year ago. They're all real rhymy and uh, real kind of real. I'm up to over 2,500 followers now in a year and uh, thousands of amazing comments. And uh, I just want to share. I, I do something. It's called Poemsic. I came up with it. It's uh, I'm not a poet and uh, I'm not a musician, but what I do is a beat in my head. And uh, so it's like a music that can only be read and you just kind of make the beat in your head of however it goes. But they're all like that. And uh, it's cool. Just check me out, you know. And if uh, some stuff is too crazy, just uh, pray for me. I might need it. <laughs> all right, man. That sounds awesome. Thank you for coming on tonight. Man, thank y'all. I was so excited. I appreciate it, man. Y'all are, y'all are the bomb, man. Y'all keep it up. Little people like little Gary in Texas was loving you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Gary. All right, Gary. I'm going to put you on hold. <laughs> and let's see. Next up, we have area code 503. 503, you are on the air. Hi, my name is John. What's your name? I am Christopher. How are you doing, John? Nilo is sitting here waving furiously. <laughs> <laughs> well, she should be. I'm going to read a poem that she was about 11 years old when I wrote. <laughs> All right. It's about a dog that uh, her older sister gave me. and uh, hmm. So here we go, okay? Okay. All right. When I was younger and I didn't have much hair, I used to wander over to my dad's armchair. I'd look way up. I'd say, hey, dad, do you know, what's that dog doing over there? And he'd say, I see him laugh. I see him smile. I see him wipe our tears away, singing brand new songs on a brand new day. So I went down to a schoolyard. I got thirsty for a drink. I took my dog because he looked the same right in there to the sink. Uh, once inside, we met this teacher there whose face went red, white through her hair, and she said, Son, what's that dog doing over there? So I went down to the university. I was studying to get a Ph.D. I was studying animal psychology. I was asking my professor, Can it be? Can dogs? Can they laugh? And my professor said, Son, what do you see that dog doing? you see him laughing? So I was sitting with my brother in the gutter. I was about 63. We were singing simple songs when he suddenly stopped. He said, look at this dog by my knee. And the dog, and he laughed, and he danced, and he threw back his head. And my brother, he sat up. He took another swig. He said, I do declare. What's that dog doing over there? And I said, I see him laugh. I see him smile. I see him wipe our tears away, singing a brand new song on these brand new days. In the poem. <laughs> oh, John, I really love that piece. I, <laughs> I, I think it was, <laughs> dogs in it was general hold a very pretty early, special place. <laughs> yeah, it was a very early piece of mine. Um, uh, yeah. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate it. But, you know, it's nothing like the poets you've had on. <laughs> Nyla likes to call me her comic relief. <laughs> no, I thought it was perfect. 
I think there, there's all too many times when, yeah, we have animals like a dog that can do things just like that, that can bring us to smiles, to tears, that can help bring away all those <laughs> not so great moments. And yeah, if you could mm-hmm. see some of the things that I've seen at my work and yeah, at my home, some of these dogs do know how to dance. <laughs> <laughs> they do, don't they? <laughs> and some smile. <laughs> uh, and I've actually met one that sings every time my banjo player uh, starts playing. <laughs> yeah, he sings. <laughs> hey, I really appreciate the fact that you have uh, been making sure that the show stays going, you know, that the show must go on. So I really want to thank you for that, Chris. Oh, well, thank you, John. I think all of us really do kind of appreciate everything that Nyla does for us here. So when she she was was calling for help, I kind of couldn't let that one slide. Good for you. Good for you, because we all want to hear her voice someday again. So, (laughs) boy, does she have a great voice. But you do, too. You do too, <laughs> and you give me, you're a better moderator than any of the debate people. So, <laughs> oh, oh man, I don't know All if that's right. a bar set too high or too low at this point. <laughs> uh, no, the debate people set it low. They set it low. I mean, if the most interesting thing is a fly on Mike Pence's head. <laughs> Right. Uh, these oh, are my friend. definitely Thank interesting times. Hey, John, before you go, before uh-huh. you go, do you have a second piece for us? Nihilus kind of eager to hear what else you might have in store. Oh, my. You know, she does that all the time to me, and I, that means I have to go to my computer. So if you have somebody else in line, uh, if not, I can get you a second piece, but... Um, you know, it uh, always takes me a minute to look it up because I've always prepared for just one because you guys are usually pretty clouded, you know. <laughs> well, you are. You know? um, here, I've got one for you. Here, Hang on just okay. a second. Let me pop it up here. If you want to or, you know, whatever you want to do, you're the moderator. Well, I definitely want to hear a second piece, and then, yeah, I think I've got some follow-up questions for you afterwards. Oh, great. All right. Well, here <laughs> is uh, – <laughs> great. Here is a piece, um, as Nyla well knows, I hate um, haiku, and uh, but I love limericks. And I, t- I tied three limericks together to um, make a joke. Okay. Now, I don't know where you're sitting, but I'm sitting in Oregon, and it is fall. Okay, so here we go. You ready? Okay. There once, okay. There once was a man who did die. To St. Peter, he did fly. As he t- stood in line, he watched souls be divined to heaven or hell. Oh, my and every so often a soul would be thrown in a pile by his toe. The man's chance came it, so he asked with a glance, Where does this pile of souls go? St. Peter said, Listen and learn. 
these souls have taken a turn. They come from Portland, a place in Oregon, and they are too wet to burn. End of limerick. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like I say, I'm the comic relief. (laughs) You know, all right. uh, Uh, That was pretty damn good. (laughs) Haikus haikus are to poets what limericks are to songwriters. And Nyla will tell you, I'm really more of a songwriter than I am a poet. Um, I think as someone that's also here in Oregon, yeah, Portland kind of occupies a very special place in everyone's mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. So always remember when it's raining, we're too wet to burn. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, I think yes. everyone has been kind of curious, but you actually have a very unique perspective. You actually knew Nyla. Way in the past, so way back. What she what she was, was so scared of me like? when she first met me. She would when she first met me, she would run away. She wouldn't talk to me. <laughs> I was dating her older sister, and I'd turn around and try to talk to her, and she just shut up and run away. <laughs> and by the way, her name wasn't Nyla back then, so. Mm-hmm. I won't tell you what her name was. She can do that on her own. But. <laughs> kind yeah, of hard to no. imagine. Our Nyla, oh, when I, our when super she confident and in-your-face Nyla running away. <laughs> oh, come on. I was this long-haired guy. Oh, wait. I'll let you her tell the story about what I looked like back then. But uh, <laughs> do tell her that... Do tell her that my hair is as long as it was when I was 18. <laughs> Due to I COVID. think her heart just skipped a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope her voice gets better. And you know, I love you, Nyla. <laughs> I love you too, John. Oh, I heard that. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm so happy this show is still going on. And- I just had to call in. Uh, always a pleasure to have you here, John. And Thank yeah, you, you ever Thank get you, the, the the uh, the hankering to share any more past stories of Nyla, then yeah, definitely jump on because mm-hmm. I'm sure there are plenty of curious listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only with her permission. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> don't know if I should share that one just in case it didn't carry on or not. But uh, she says that you were the first person to ever get her stoned. Uh, yes, that's true. Probably. Probably. Yeah, I was a bad influence back then. Yeah. I was a very bad influence. Yeah, no hard drugs. It was always just about marijuana <laughs> and occasional beer. But yeah, that's probably true. I don't know, maybe I should write a poem about that. How to get your poetist stoned. There you go. Perfect. That would be a fun one. (laughs) All right, John. Before I let you go, please let everyone know how they can reach out and find you. 
Well, I'm on Facebook, but um, really um, on a couple of other poetry sites, but um, really I don't publish a whole lot. Uh, if you really want to find me, I'm usually walking around downtown with a mask on. So, you know, I stand out in the crowd. <laughs> All right. right be with right. you. <laughs> Go for the next right, poet. John. You have a good night. <laughs> Thank you. You too, my friend. I'll continue to listen. <laughs> Okay, so next up we have area code 903. 903, you are on the air. Hello, Chris. This is Eric Shulman. How are you doing, man? Hey there, Eric. I am doing quite well. How about yourself? I'm doing quite well. I've been on the the roof for about eight hours today. Roofing and remodeling and adding on to a house, so. Doing pretty good. Just a little exhausted. <laughs> uh, I do not doubt it. Roofing is some hard work. Yes, sir, it is. That's worth it, though. And thank you for standing in for Nyla again. Hello, Nyla. I love both of you guys. Thanks for the platform. Thanks for everything. <laughs> and I got my poem. What's that? She kind of shouted out hello to you. Okay, thank you. Sorry, I didn't hear you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't want to put you in more, any more pain than you are. All yeah, right, so I'm going to read my poem. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I'm going to read my poem that I wrote to her, and you'll get to hear it, Chris. I don't know if you heard it on here. I read to okay. her actually as a surprise and made her cry. So, but in a good, good way though. <laughs> It's a praise song. It's a praise song to her. So, anyways, it's called "Can You Dig Her." All right, can you dig her? Origin? Can you dig her original or orchestrated rhythms and rhymes? Can you dig her harmonious harvest harvested melodies? Can you dig her stupendously performed spoken words? Can you dig her thought-provoking and mind-blowing meanings? Can you dig her passion and devoting towards archaeology and paleontology? Can you dig her love and giddiness she feels while excavating artifacts, bones, and fossils? Can you dig her willingness to help other poets and writers out by having an online open mic night for the past 14 years? Can you dig her demeanor demeanor of kindness, caring, and giving completely unbiased interpretations of those readers on her broadcast? Can you dig her supporting others like herself out of the kindness of her own heart? Can you dig her, or can you dig all of her creations, not just her writings and spoken words, like her wonderful custom-made costumes? Can you dig her listening to and thoroughly enjoying her favorite songs? Can you dig her not ever thinking that being a creator is a race nor a competition with all other creators? Can you dig her happiness whenever someone actually listens to her and mentions it to her? Can you dig her being one with nature and the universe? Can you dig her being a single mother? Can you dig her being an extremely smart, strong, brave, and independent woman? Can you dig her inspiration? comes from anywhere and everywhere and at any given time 
Can you dig her thoughts, beliefs, and ideologies on life? Can you dig her? Uh, can you dig everything about her strengths and weaknesses, perfections and imperfections? Can you dig her? Name is the one and only wonderful, beautiful, and truly talented Nyla Alicia. That's in peace. <laughs> she's got a little, not a little. She got a big smile on her face, and she's kind of trying to hold back those tears right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're welcome, Nyla. I'm made to make you cry again. Uh, I think just as one of the people that got started listening to the show, listening to Nyla, it really does mean a lot. I don't know if Nyla is entirely aware of it, but her presence here on the Speakeasy really has been amazing for a great many artists. For a for so many people that do appreciate poetry, for sharing thoughts and feelings, and for just being themselves. She kind of has been that person that's been there for all of us. So thank you very much for writing that piece for her. You're welcome. I appreciate it. And yes, she is very vital and pivotal to everybody that's on the show and all the listeners too, because there's a whole lot... I couldn't even imagine how many exactly there are, but I know there's a lot. <laughs> I got my second piece called My Happiness. Can we do still, still do two, or we got too many phone lines? Or... Go ahead, please. Let's hear okay. your second piece. Something more positive on my note. <laughs> All right. My happiness comes and flees on its own accords. Occurs as I read and write plenty hordes of books and especially poetry happens as I swim in, in the ocean, breaking waves and wakes as they crash into me, changing my emotions, notions, exist as I hang out and talk to my nieces and nephews in which I consider my unborn children, always offer their pieces of peace to me, materializes while listening to my favorite musicians jamming out while helping me escape my mind's messed up mentality, savoring it, distracting me, which makes me smile, reaching it as I collaborate with wonderful like and unlike-minded creators, merging our geniuses together as a lab labyrinthian creator, constructing a truly phenomenal literary colorful masterpiece, dialoguing about everything with anyone who wants to, especially my friends, family, siblings, by whatever means, ends, subject, we are conversing with everyone. That's in peace. I really enjoyed that one, Eric. I think all of us that have kind of stepped out and tried to start writing, that really is something that kind of does tap into what makes us who we are. That little piece that does make us happy, that makes us sad, that makes us just everything. And yeah, to hear the fact that you're kind of going out there and creating pieces, not just with the people that you agree with, but also the people you don't, that is special. I think yes. right now oh, in ahead, particular... Sorry. Right now in particular, with so much being, <laughs> you don't think like me, how dare you? Now is mm -hmm. an especially important time to actually sit down and 
try and work things out together. Precisely. And thank you so much, Chris. Um, I actually have been preaching several things, but in that sense, uh, unity through diversity, or as I say, diversity and unity as well. And uh, I've been saying that for a long time. And I just think that we pretty much as a country, as a people, we need to get together, you know, instead of having being conquered, controlled, and split apart and divisive and and uh, you know I think it's all about we need to unite you know i mean i don't I don't really think that the government is you know peachy and keen either on either side, but that's just my personal opinion, but you know, I just think that we should unite, and you're right in today's society in politically correctness and you know in divisive, as I said earlier. You know, conquer and divide. You know, they're all about that, and and I see that even on social media. Like I'm on Twitter, and I said, "What's your?" I said, uh, "What's your form of utopia?" Like I didn't, I left politics out and everything. You know, and and no one said what was good about their utopia. And you know? I was just a simple <laughs> question. You know, what I'm saying like, like it was so bad. It's such a scary thing. You know, and. It's just it's just crazy, but if you voice your opinion on Twitter, you will be hated by somebody. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> whether <laughs> whether they agree or not, or they're a troll, you know, and even on Facebook, it's the same thing too. I mean, it's it's nothing new, and you know, both censor people, and and I've been censored on Facebook several times, not just this time either. But I haven't been censored on Twitter, which is good. I've been kind of keeping my controversial self away, you know. It's good. <laughs> but you know, just like uh, just like I said, you know, you can have uh, like even in today's society, there's people that believe what I consider to be a fictional fact is an actual fact, and to me, they actually changed that fact and it became unpopular, and so they hate it, and they t- they turned that fact into a fiction. It's yeah. pretty crazy, huh? We are. <laughs> I am not quite sure how to even take it. We are definitely living in the age of alternative facts. Oh, yeah, precisely. Yeah, we are. It's crazy, man. It's really crazy. Well, I'm going to let you go and let the next poets come on and not take up all the time. But thanks so much, Chris, for standing in. And I love you, Chris, and, and Nyla for the show. And I appreciate the platform. And I'll try to be on as as much as I can. Sometimes I work later than I usually do. So it just depends. Uh, That's just question for you. <laughs> thank well, you for jumping uh, on tonight. Is, oh, you're welcome. This is Eric Shellman. You can find me on YouTube. It's just Eric Shellman, just my name. I made it really simple. You can find me on Facebook. It's Eric Shellman. And you can find me on Twitter. It's uh, Shellman. Or it's a at sign, Shellman Eric, uh, and I believe that's it. I don't I don't know have my URL up. Otherwise, I'll tell you that for my blog. But that's all right. I can say that another time. I don't have it memorized. It's, it's a blogger, so. But, but it's uh, uh, no it's got a poem, so. But it's all good. I mean, you can find me on on those three that get you started. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, have a great night. Uh, Nyla, miss you, and have a great night, Chris. Grateful, grateful for you.
standing up and coming back to the show and carrying on the legacy. And thanks so much. And I'll talk to you all next week. Have a great week. Bye. You have a good one, Eric. All right. Thank you, Chris. I'm going to put you on hold. And before I bring on the next caller, I just want to let area code 585 know if they would like to join the lineup. They just need to hit one and we will bring them on. Okay. So next up, we have area code 573. 573, you are on the air. Mr. Ryan, not in the background. How you doing? Quite well. How are you doing tonight? Doing good, doing good. I brought you a treat. Well, neither wanted to. Neither wanted to share before you get started that you sound really good tonight. Thank you very much. Allergy medicine. I can breathe. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's just the little thing. (laughs) So I got something kind of old and something kind of new, actually brand new, and uh, let you choose what you want to hear first. Um, I'm I'm always kind of fascinated with some of your stuff, so I think we'll go old and then new, and uh, yeah. That's how I was leaning, so that, that'll work for me. Okay. And so it is. There's little point to the trivial redundancy dribbles sputtered inside rotating idiocracy. How's the ledge not going to be slippery now? It may not be raining, but damn it's wet out. I can't find shelter in open wounds of wrong. No bandage can hinder the flood of my errant ways. Sirens should heed warning to the storm unleashed, this eccentric, overzealous debutante upstart. These distances are voids no arm can fathom to trace. You whisper need that breaks in chasms deeply unrelenting. Interlock these failures with harsh overtures. Blame is abundant on shores far and wide. My tide withdrew in the places absent of life. Out in the further, it's just vibrations of what's past. I feed on essence of catastrophe tapped. Drunken, short breath, missing my undying. Your lighthouse, dark mystic, running bad mojo in waves. Need is festering cancer to devour all souls. I'm not floating in the quicksand we're facing, extinguishing my resilience under cracks and folds. This afterbirth of growing hate so cold, once a hurt of passion sees love's warmth fading. Cracked on the carousel, a limp horse dreams are chasing. Distorted sounds, once known merriment, can't recoil faith. I'm beyond adjacent to severing this misery and pain, wanting to die in moments I'm cast thoughtless on cutscenes. Time was virtue, but recently, even seconds are obscene. Gutted and chained, eyes wide shut to this matinee. Reason may what they boil over this kettle scorched black. One hopes to see the heat sanitized what's gone off track. I, though, am losing chance and preoccupying what's to be. Shadows are enveloping the skies, thunder burst over the, you and I, and so it is. It's meant to be in peace. Hmm. You have this way of really kind of tapping into things that other people shy away from that really does just kind of hammer home. Like, it's not always sunshine and rainbows, and yet it's still something we 
sometimes have to crawl through. You had you had this line in there that really kind of jumped out at me. Like I was very much getting this this feeling of struggle just to kind of get through the day to day and just how sometimes life is shit. But there was this line in there about the afterbirth of hate. And it makes me think so much like, you know, when we're young, we start off, everything's so beautiful and wonderful. And it's only after the fact, that's when the negative starts to pour. And that's when we start to see all the little cracks in the world. Man, that was some powerful stuff. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I thought you would, and I've been dying to read that piece here lately, so I thought what better time. I am glad you did. Uh, I think you have this way of touching on things that, uh, yeah, I think life, mental health, and sometimes things just aren't always beautiful. So thank you very much for sharing that one. You're most welcome. I'm going to take you in a kind of different direction. It's a shorter piece. Okay. And uh, I don't know, it just kind of came to me. It's called Somersault of the Mind. Look my orbitals so that you may envision the greater of worth. Embody such spectacles as the coming on is that you know, longer know of. It is here in the epicenter of serene chaos we come to embrace such things. Absurdity is no such vanity that which reflects beautiful, docile daydreams. Calamity is uniformity due to the fact the eye in the sky bits on you to be, not riddling or methodically pinning genius in inspections on what's blatantly to be seen. Bending further is my intention to make your mind somersault into new thinking. In peace. All right, that was fun. <laughs> I love the idea, actually, of exactly that, a somersault of the mind. And <laughs> for some people, it's exactly that. It's almost like mental gymnastics to avoid those different perspectives. And I think you have a wonderful way of really kind of like <laughs> opening people's eyes to some of these things. Huh. How recently did you write that one? Uh, I wrote it about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, and I just finally released it today. Oh. Yeah, it's it, sitting in my notebook. It, it definitely has that tinge of your your old style, and yeah, it kind of took on this this different kind of trajectory from some of your older stuff. I liked it. Uh, there you go. It was. Uh, it just—it was like no effort really writing, and, and a lot of my newer pieces are short like this, and they are, and I, I call it streaming consciousness writing. Um, <laughs> it's just just comes out and it's done, you know. I don't force it, I don't edit it. I it just is what it is. Um, uh, it's some good stuff. Kind of gives us a nice glimpse into your own mind, <laughs> but no. Nah. That was awesome. All right, Sinister. Before you go, how can everyone find you? Uh, GTS. Google that shit. I'm on Facebook. <laughs> I'm on 
Instagram, I'm on SoundCloud, I'm on YouTube, I'm on WordPress, and it's Sinister, like Sinister Sounds, S-P-I-T-A-L, Spittle. And uh, just Google it. I'm working on putting up some new YouTube, so hopefully you'll see some new, new videos here soon. And also find me on allpoetry.com. Uh, I'm one of the few that don't block everybody in the world from reading your stuff. I'm one of probably the most read uh, poets that way. Guests can come and read me. So come and read me. All right. Thank you for coming on tonight, Sinister. Uh, thank you. And now my best speedy recovery. Christopher Ryan, always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. All right. So next up in line, we have area code 757. 757. You are on the air now, I think. Hello, how are you? How you doing? <laughs> it's Tamiko hey. How you doing, Tamiko? I'm doing all right. Um, hanging in there um, with this weather, which I'm enjoying um, hmm. this season. But uh, that's about it. How are you? <laughs> I would say I'm doing kind of the same. Hanging in there. It has been uh, interesting weather here in Oregon with our fires and our smoke and everything else. So mm-hmm. kind of seems par for the course for, for the year right now. Yeah. I wish a lot of this rain that's been on the East Coast and down south it will go a little bit, not hurricanes, but some <laughs> rain will go over there to the west. <laughs> like, that's where some rain is needed. It's like, oh, my God. Oh, you're getting rain this weekend. I'm like, why are we getting rain? The the rain needs to go over to California. (laughs) Without the hurricane winds, of course, but, you know, about three or four days and nights of rain. (laughs) All right, Miss Tomiko, what have you got for us tonight? This one poem tonight is um, it's called Searching for Sunny Days, and I'm just going to say a few little things before I go into it. It's just, um, it's, it's just a piece where, as a daughter, sometimes I um, just go, my mind goes to my mom, um, who passed um, in 2008, and there were some good moments, but it was a lot of dysfunction surrounding those good moments. And um, I don't know, I just never really, I, I've written about some of it years ago, but never poetically speaking. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there and just uh, release. So this is called... Uh, searching for sunny days. Okay. You have left with so many questions unanswered. Crisp, sometimes bitter winds 
blow just to remind me. Beneath shadows are shimmers of light beckoning for a new day where my truth will set my heart and my soul free. I miss those good moments, but lurking in those shadows were many things that made me cry, and God knows why. But now I am free to love myself like never before. I am healing. I am dancing in the light of a brand new sunny day. In peace. Matsumiko, that one, that one hits home, I think, harder than you know. Um, I think an awful lot of us out there have some very complex kind of relationships with our family, with our parents in particular. And yeah, it's strange how something that can bring on tears can bring on smile and laughter and joy and fear. (laughs) And that really kind of pulled all of those different emotions together. It's strange to think of just how much pull one person can have on our life as much as our parents do. And yeah, doesn't really matter if they're not there day to day. They still have that kind of influence over us, over our thoughts, over our feelings, over just how the day goes. That was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. It was uh, challenging, um, but, you know, I just wanted to, I think sometimes when I think about the good moments, I question myself, like, were the good moments authentic or were they just me um, trying to make the best of a situation that was... um, Really hard, really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes um, people make choices, parents make choices, and sometimes those choices their parents make um, damage the child. And so it's just been me trying to come to grips. And my healing journey started back way back when she was still here, but. It just feels like, okay, every time I think everything is okay, I bump up against something else or something resurfaces, but I still try to find ways to smile. So thank you for letting me share that. Absolutely. No, thank you for actually feeling comfortable enough to share that. Those are not easy pieces. You know, we talk about how difficult it is to share parts of ourselves through our poetry. Uh, 
can't think of something that's any more intimate than talking about, yeah, exactly that mother-daughter kind of relationship. follow that up. I was really searching deep inside of me <laughs> for something mm-hmm. funny. <laughs> well, maybe I need to follow that up with something funny because I wanted to use that writing prompt, um, a man must turn again. I think that's how she said it. A man must mm-hmm. turn again. Or a man must turn again. And um, But I don't know. I'll work on that for next week. Okay. <laughs> That's your homework assignment. (laughs) Okay. So, man must turn again. I want to hear that one from you next week. No pressure. No, no. I got to make that. All right, Tamiko. Thank you for coming on. Please let everybody know how they can reach out and find you, share some love. Um, PoetrySuit.com forward slash me forward slash T-A-M-E-K-O one three. And um, TimBook2.com T-I-M-B-O-O-K-T-U.com. I have a page on there under the author index, Tamiko uh, Barnett. There's an E on the end. And that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Tamiko. All right. Feel better now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just said feel better, Nala. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm going to put you on hold, Tamiko. Okay, so next up, we have area code 863. 863, you are on the air. I think I know who this one is. Is this Noreen Snyder listening in?
All right. You got one for you? Yes. Um, Uh, I never read this one before. So this is a, a, um, I wrote a plea, eight poetic form, and I did broke a rule. I had eight lines instead of seven. So I hope it's okay. (laughs) I will forgive you. (laughs) Okay. And this is called um, Life. I don't know how it is because, okay, this is called Life. Loving you is easy to do. Learning to live without you, like almost nearly impossible. Life will go on. It is hard. Lam it. I'll try not to do. Instead, listen to God. He'll help me through. Lesson to remember, we all will die. Listen, be prepared, and that's life. The end. Oh, Noreen. You have this way of just kind of tugging on my heartstrings. Wow. Um, that was a really beautiful piece. And, wow. yeah, it's it's something I find myself thinking about quite often of, like, you know, what goes on when, yes. when it's just you. Yes. But that was beautiful. I think that kind of sums up that that longing, that desire, and also that little bit of hope that comes and finds itself with it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, th- th- thank you. No, thank you, Noreen. Okay, you're welcome. Um, um, okay. Uh, okay, can I read one more? Okay. I is, think this, so. Okay, this is an older piece called Appealing Potatoes. Okay. And um, you say it's KP duty in the military, but I say no. It's romantic when you lend a helping hand. We peel and cut up potatoes together. Every now and then, I glimpse at you smiling at me, and I smile back. Oh, how romantic it is when we do it together. Afterthought. Now won't this make the military sergeants cry? The end. <laughs> that, that, that last two Aww. lines. Okay, Gary told me to put that down. He said that you had to put that down. The last two lines. The afterthought. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> okay, thank you. I I can't think of how many times there are those little things that should be mundane that just. <laughs> They really are perfect examples of two souls just kind of touching and sharing. And, yeah, (laughs) I'm trying to imagine now how every drill sergeant is going to (laughs) feel. Yep. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on and sharing that, Noreen. That was perfect. (laughs) Okay. Um, You're welcome. Okay. So. How can people find you? Okay, um, you you can you can find Gary and I on our you can find our books on Amazon, Two Hearts and One, The Art of Truth, and Reflections of Our Inner Beings. You can find it on Amazon.com, and then um you can find us um okay um find us um find us on our official website, Gary and Noreen Snyder dot com front slash okay um p- uh, p- 
poetry, and then you can also find um, Gary on um, the, his mem- the, mem- the memorial site I made for him, created for him. Um, Gary and Noreen Snyder. Dot Wix. Dot com front slash Gary with two R's in it and a small letter G. Okay, and then um, then you can find Gary on ReverbNation.com, on Facebook.com, and PoetryPoem.com, and he's also Googleable and Googleable. <laughs> okay, and um, and then um, you can find um, okay, me at ReverbNation.com, Facebook.com, on um, PoetryPoem.com. You can find me on um, code-fi.com. That's under Gary and Noreen Snyder. You can, on there. And then um, you can also find us on the um, the Poetry Club on Facebook. I have a, a um, Facebook Live every Saturday from um, 5 to, um, between 5, 5.30 um, every Saturday night. And that, that okay, and that that would be it. Oh, and one more thing, I want to thank um all the uh thank all the um the sponsors who sponsor this show. Thank you for having so we have a venue, and thank you and Nyla, and thank you Christopher, and thank you um um Michael um uh Quig, and for um sponsoring um, for hosting this show. So we have a so we poets have a venue where we can um, read our poetry. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Noreen. Okay, you're welcome. <laughs> okay, you're welcome. you have a good night. Okay, you, you have a good night too, and I hope um you hope Nyla feels better. I will see to it that she does. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. 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 So, Nyla had requested earlier that I find a piece, and I was able to find a piece. So I don't think it's quite fair if I had her kind of do her stuff and if I don't do one of my own. So, (laughs) jeez. She just cracked a whip at me, and now I feel just just slightly less... (laughs) All right, this is an older piece of mine. I unfortunately have not really written any new ones for a while now, but this one is called Cry for Understanding. Hey, can I talk to you for a bit? I've had something on my mind, something I just have to get off my chest. You see, I've got this little problem, but please do me this favor and hear me out all the way before you respond. It seems like every time I've got something that I want to discuss that people cannot hold themselves back and they want to just dive right in. It's like people have forgotten how to hear, how to truly listen to what people are trying to say, as if we don't care about just what message people are trying to convey and are listening just to formulate our own response. Now, I can't speak for everyone, but when I come to my friends with a problem, 
I'm not actually interested in that inevitable response of theirs. I'm not trying to hear the advice, the various quick fix solutions. I don't care for their band-aid to throw over my wounds. I don't go to them with a cry for help. I know it's being done from a kind place. I want to believe that people actually do want to help each other when they see someone in distress. But I'm not at that point yet. I'm not trying to correct the problem with someone else's solution or move at someone else's pace. I appreciate the sentiment, but I'll take care of me and handle it in my own time. I rarely speak out about what bothers me, so when I do, I hope it comes across as clearly as I can make it. This is a cry for understanding. I want to feel like I'm actually being heard. I'm not particularly interested in other people's pity or sympathy. I just want to get the impression that someone, anyone, is actually listening to what I say with the intention of comprehending what's going on. I once told a girlfriend, an ex, shortly after I told her this, that I thought the greatest gift people could give each other was silence. Admittedly, I probably did a crappy job of explaining that one, but I do stand by it. When I'm quiet when people talk, it's not because I'm ignoring them, but because I really want them to know that I'm paying attention and want to understand. What I mean, go on, I'm listening. All right, so that was my piece. And I think right now, that might just sum it up for this evening. Let's see. You come back on and close it. I think I would very much like for you to come back on and close out the evening for us, Nyla. Okay. You guys have been listening to the Speakeasy Cafe Open Mic Poetry Show. Appreciate you all being here tonight, both readers and listeners alike. I want to thank very much Christopher Ryan for being here and helping me host the show. I know that I was quite overly ambitious, and if it were not for him, we would be in a real bind because I would not be able to do this right now without him. So thank you, Christopher, so much for being here and hanging out, and I hope that you have been enjoying it. Very much so. I always enjoy being able to be here with you. And it's been so long since I've actually kind of come on the air. I know Mama probably won't really let me hear the end of it, but (laughs) I love being here with all of you. Really really glad that you read tonight, too. So, you know, make sure that next week you bring some more because you're an amazing writer and, and, you know, your voice is kind of like heroin. So, yeah. Yeah. He has one of those voices, guys. It's like he walks down the street and he opens his mouth and speaks, and women drop eggs. I'm telling you. I absolutely love his voice. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. I hate him. I embarrass him all the time. Okay. 
All right, so I'm going to close the show tonight with a piece by somebody that I had pulled up and now it's gone. Where are you? It was Apollo. Uh, I don't know where my... I had it all pulled up and there go. It was Apollo Poetry and it's Rusty. So I want to thank everyone for being here. Love you guys and we will see you next week. Bring your homework back. All right. Bye. Good night, everyone. There we go. After they saw him approach a female, they nicknamed him Rusty. See, in high school, he was nothing more than a walking piñata. He would graduate with honors, but he never fought for his own honor. Some would blame it on the absence of his father. Others would say it was his mother's legs, because just like Rusty's mind, they were always open. You would think that someone like that would have no love left. There was no love felt just yet. But then the day came as if it was prophesied. I could have sworn that his eyes were a cigarette butt, the way that they lit up. Her real name was Fran, but he nicknamed her Fry, because just like the food, she was fast and he knew it wasn't good for him. But good old Rusty fell in love with Fry, but how could he stop the music while she's dancing with another guy? So they became just friends, F-R-I-E-N-D-S, his love for Fry ends, friends, but if only he knew, that if only she knew, that for all those 365 day sessions of broken promises, he really loved her. Rusty spent years as a prisoner of half-painted walls, writing poetry hoping that it will guide him to that moment that he's been waiting for, but that moment turned into a day, turned into a year, turned into a lifetime. happened to the woman that you loved. He just looked at me and said, drugs. Then he handed me a poem, a poem that was so deep that my eyes went into war, but my tears won. He said, tears. It's funny that the further they travel, the less that they become. See, she never knew that I loved her, but I knew that she loved me, and I asked him how. He said that that poem wasn't written by him. It was written by her, handed to him at her funeral. 
then he looked at me and said, So if you love someone, you tell them now, because the end of your life can be now. So why are you still around? Go and change the world, because I never could. I just stood in front of the hourglass, watching the sand pour, covering my history, because I miss her so much. With a tear rolling down his eye, he said, Just one touch, if only I had loved her, I could have saved her life. I could have saved her life. And then I grabbed his hand and he started trembling in fear, getting flashbacks of when he was my age and he had his whole life ahead of him. But what was ahead of him is now behind him. What he ran away from is now inside him. And together they're slowly dying. He said that his life was just a waste of life because he never saved a life. He wished he could have made it right. I told him what happened to her wasn't your fault. Being afraid is not a crime. And don't ever say you never saved a life because after today, you just saved mine. After that conversation, seven days passed, and then so did he, and they were back together at last. So now when I love, I love with no fear. Now when I cry, I enjoy every tear, because if you don't, then why are you even here? Go and change the world, because I never could. Go and change the world, because I without their dreams coming true. But it's not too late for you. You're still alive. So go out there and grab it. And make a difference. And now let's listen to the voice of a beautiful woman who's no longer with us. As she sings to us from the other side. Just close your eyes. Thank you. 